the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 182 for Monday, December 22nd, 2008. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Kev. Wow. <laughs> How are you tonight, John? Fantastic. Yeah, Monday. So we're, we're back, back in the groove here, though. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> the weather here, man. It's 16 degrees outside. You know, it takes the house a lot longer to heat up when it's 16 degrees outside. And actually, I think the, the lowest I saw this weekend was eight. It's, uh, it's brutal. But I think most, most of the country is with us here on this, right? Yeah, I, I I saw lots of people on uh, Twitter this weekend getting snow. I, I think we might have taken the cake here with uh, we got, I don't know, about eight to 10 on Friday and then another 16 to 18 yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we missed the uh, we missed the second wave down here. Yes, you did. Sorry, I'm dropping things all over the slushy and stuff. He's throwing things at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Already? How are What'd you, you do this time? I'm well, guys. I'm That's thawed good. out. That's good. Right. Life is good. So we got, what do we got, Dave? We have all kinds of stuff. Uh, Crazy questions. Thank goodness you prepped stuff because I had like zero time today to prep. I, I, last week I prepped the show in 45 minutes, which was a new record today. I'm pretty sure I did it in less than that. Um, But uh, you, thankfully it was because you did uh, all, all the prep, but you know, last week I did not one great podcast. And when I say great, I mean, great for me. It was fun. I did three great podcast last week so of course it started with tuesday night you and i and pete of course did the uh the geek cab here number 181 mm-hmm. wednesday night uh chuck joiner does the mac voices podcast and he's been doing this road to mac world expo thing kind of just talking about all the stuff that's going to happen at mac world and interviewing people that are doing cool things at uh, mac world expo well he had the idea to get together the entire mac world all-star band on skype and wow. recorded the chat. Now, y- you can imagine, you know, it, it didn't just get irreverent. It started at irreverent and kind of went downhill from there. But uh, but we had a blast doing it. And, you know, I realized it was the first time that we had ever gotten the band kind of together to chat other than the once a year rehearsals. And uh, and then, of course, the gig at uh, at Cirque du Mac or whatever party it is we wind up, you know, have played at, uh, at Macworld Expo. So we had a blast. I mean, we all talk kind of individually and we have an email trail that sort of, you know, goes in, in, in at different levels throughout the year. And, and obviously we're all very close, but to, to have us all sort of just chatting, it was fantastic. We had a great, great time. And then on, on, and so we'll put a link in the show notes to that, that Mac voices. And then on Friday, Michael Johnston at iPhone alley, uh, he did a podcast which included uh, myself, Jeff Gamut, Adam any, Christian. Any, anyone important? I'm sorry. I a- Adam that. Christensen and Steve oh, Wozniak. The, the Steve? You mean the good Steve? The- <laughs> yeah, Woz was on. Sorry. And, you know, I have to say it was fantastic. Uh, I, I wasn't sure, you know, how, how he would kind of take the interview. He totally took it in stride. It wasn't like an interview at all. It was just a geek chat is really. Yeah, he it, just joined right in. It was a good show. I listened to it. I, I had a blast doing it. It was, it was yeah. a whole well, lot of fun. Well, he's, you recall, at the last um, 
he was, um, yeah, I think we mentioned this. I'll mention it again, then we'll uh, move on here. But the last Macworld, um, you know, he was there putting around on his uh, uh, Segway. Yep. And I was like, you know what? That looked like Steve Wozniak. And let, let me, yeah. me kind of catch up and see if it's him. And it was him. Walked up. I'm like, hi, you know, John with Mac Observer. Oh, yeah, I read you guys. It's the, like, the, really? the funny thing was he, was, he was such a down to earth, approachable yeah. guy. You just walk up to him and, yeah. and be comfortable. And, and he was very, uh, you know, he, he would. Yeah, great, great guy. So I'll listen to the podcast, but he's, uh, again, I said the good Steve. Yeah, well, he was, he, the funny thing was he was candid and relaxed about everything. And then it's sort of at the end of the, you know, we were 45 or 50 minutes into or whatever it was, hour long podcast. And then he starts saying, gosh, you know, yeah, you know, I have to worry. We asked him if he was going to Macworld Expo and he says, yeah, you know, I have to kind of have to worry when I go because I don't really like talking to press and I have to watch what I say. And, this, that and the other thing, it's like. Uh, what have we been doing for the last hour? Here? <laughs> but you know, he didn't see us that way. It was it was actually really nice. Like I said, well, yeah, was, you're not press. It was a geek chat, so it was exactly. good. Yeah, exactly. It was awesome. Um, so I'll make a random observation and just what makes Apple Apple. Um, so I was helping a coworker. He got one of the new MacBook Pros. Um, you know, the unibody, I guess we'll call it, um, yeah. you know, glossy screen and all that. The initial problem he wanted to help me with was, well, how do I transfer stuff from my older class of machine, which I think is one that you and I have, Dave. Okay. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, just do the firewire thing. He's like, well, I can't because there's no firewire port on the new machine. I'm like, really? And, you know, I go online. And MacBook I look Pro, up and, uh, you said, not MacBook, right? MacBook Pro. Okay. Now, and actually you may want to check the Monday's Mac Edge that I did and we'll link to it, which talks about a utility that tells you all... The specs of a machine, you could also go to Apple. So anyways, I went online and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, apparently the newest machine only has a FireWire 800 port. Right. Which right. is why my colleague okay. didn't recognize it because up until then he's been used to, even though he had it, and I'm looking right here, uh, our class of machine, Dave, I believe, has both a 400 and an 800. Though I have personally never used the 800, just the 400. That's the one I have the cables for and the drives for. So he went to get a cable to do the target disk mode thing, which worked beautifully. Um, the problem is, of course, he called one store, Radio Shack, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got the cable because I went online and Radio Shack lists that as an item that they sometimes stock. Of course, he shows up at the store and they're like, oh, no, we don't have it. <laughs> he went to a Best Buy, surprisingly, and they had the cable. So he was able to transfer thing. But when I was helping him do some various stuff like set up his printers and all that, apparently that didn't transfer over. Um, I went to the uh, system preferences and I noticed the coolest little thing. What was the Energy, coolest little thing? The was coolest little thing. Absolutely the coolest little thing? No. But, oh, okay. but it was it just caught my eye. And it's just one of those things that makes, uh, you know, Apple a pleasure to use sometimes the energy saver um, icon. Now, on your machine and my machine, Dave, it's an incandescent light bulb on the uh, on the MacBook running 10.5. So it's not a 10.56 thing. I think it's only on the latest MacBook. It's a little CFL bulb, compact, compact fluorescent. Huh. And I just That's pretty cool. They changed the icon just a little bit because I guess they're also promoting this newer machine. Um, you know, despite the ranting of, you know, the uh, hippie tree huggers at Greenpeace and all that, that Apple is doing, you know, uh, things to try and make their, their machines more uh, environmentally friendly. And again, I, I well, you may have heard that I don't necessarily agree with how Greenpeace paints them because I think Greenpeace paints a, a skewed picture of how Apple is environmentally responsible. They just like to pick on Apple because they're the big kid on the block, I think. No, seriously, I've seen some of their analysis, and I, I don't think it's very balanced sometimes. Oh, well, Apple's using chemicals that other companies don't use. But uh, again, I don't think they weigh it evenly. Um, but no, so, so I think it reflects the fact that this machine is viewed as greener. I guess it's more recyclable, has less nasty 
chemicals and they use a little CFL bulb. It's just that, you know, kind of like when they upgraded from the trash can to, you know, in Windows, the, the recycling thing. Right, so, right, right. That's right. Yep. You know, from the old to the new, because uh, I don't know, I, I have mostly all CFLs, even the dimmables and you probably oh, yeah. do too. So, yeah, which was really kind of a nice thing when we were living on generator power for as long as we were. Oh, man. So is Mac ever going to get rid of the trash bin and get a recycle bin? Oh, I mean, good luck with oh, that. Man. <laughs> I don't think so. Anyways. I don't think so. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one other thing I wanted to mention, Michael Johnston's schedule is crazy between now and uh, now and through Macworld. And I've been told he's not going to be able to convert this show to AAC between now and then. So if there is anyone out there that uh, believes they have the time and the expertise to convert, uh, let's see, it'll be this show. Well, probably not this show next week's show. And then we'll probably do three at Macworld. If you're interested, uh, send us an email. Uh, we can pay you something nominal to uh, to do it uh, if you're interested. Otherwise, we will have all MP3s, and uh, John says he might be able to try. Oh, that's Pete. Hi, no, Pete. Pete. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> John, John's right. not going to commit to that. Well, Pete, Pete might try, notes, but, uh, yeah. but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, yeah, so if, if you, if you, uh, you know, there you go. That's that. So it may be AAC. It may just be MP3 between now and Macworld. And Macworld shows typically are... MP3 only shows anyway because we're trying to get them out very quickly. But mm. uh, so it really is only a couple of shows where where this would happen. But uh, but Michael yep. will be back on board doing it after Macworld Expo. He's committed that. So we're we're uh, this is a short term thing, folks. But I just wanted to get it out there. And with that, I think dive it's right in. We're, we're going to. Yeah. <laughs> now we'll dive right in. OK, yeah. so so Charles asks a very interesting question. Uh, he says. I'm relatively new to the Mac community and truly love my MacBook Pro. I want to use it with two external monitors like I have on my PC notebook. For the PC, I purchased an adapter from What a Cable that uses a USB port for the second monitor. It works great. I can have one program open on one screen like PowerPoint and another open on the second screen like Excel. I can copy numbers from Excel and drag them over to the PowerPoint screen and paste. How do I do this on my MacBook Pro? My overall objective is to quit using the PC and only use the MacBook Pro. You know, they, they sell a patch for that, actually, Charles, and uh, it works. Uh, it works. <laughs> uh, OK, so so the idea is, John, the MacBook Pro, as it stands, has a screen built in. Obviously, we, we all know that mm-hmm. it also has an uh, I believe a DVI port that you can connect to another external monitor, but or, only, only one or. Display port, I believe it's called, on like my friend's new machine. Because I look and I'm right. like, "Where's your video port?" And he's like, "Oh, here's the." I'm like, "Oh, not again." That's right. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> right. That's right. But but essentially, it's got one port, be it yes. DVI or Display Port or something. But it can connect as it stands out of the box. It can connect to one monitor external, and that's it. So, uh, and there are plenty of people that you know connect to to more than one monitor. It, graphics people. Uh, stock traders, I know, and and really just general pe- productivity. The more re- screen real estate you have, uh, the, the less you have to kind of bury windows. Sure. I, I, I find myself, I have a one screen, you know, I've got a 23-inch screen connected to my MacBook Pro down in the office. And when I'm up here in the studio doing the podcast, I feel cramped. 
And I know it sounds like I'm a, you know, spoiled little uh, computer user yeah. here, but I am. Uh, you are. Yeah, I am. <laughs> that's, that's why it sounds like that. Uh, but I, I feel cramped on a 20 inch iMac because I can't put all my windows up, uh, you know. So yeah. that's and why you hear me fumbling sometimes because I'm, I'm yeah. not used to digging through windows as much as I have to here. Yeah. So, so here's anyway, the difference. Mm-hmm. You go ahead, John. And, well, and, I'm sorry, here's yeah. the difference. So uh, on a laptop, it's a, a special concern because on a desktop, of course, the obvious solution is. You get some more video cards, right? Ah, yes, and you get good more point. video plugs. So, so on a desktop machine, this is probably not a big deal. And this is where you see, and they even have video cards that have you know two ports on them. I've used them. Um, sometimes you need two ports to drive large monitors because there's just too much information to display. So I, I've I've heard of that being done. But sure. but then yeah, as you point out, you know, on the laptop you only have one port. So. I don't know. You want to take this? I'll take this. But a little Google Foo revealed a couple of ways to give yourself an additional. Video oh no! Play. Oh no! You 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 totally deserve the uh, the credit for this one. Because oh of course, well, thank you. you. You did all the the Google Foo at, at least the initial Google Foo, and then together we, we uh-huh. kind of found. Yeah, you, know, you found something really nice. We built onto so, it. So so I poked around, and and the first thing I found was um something called uh just looking at the Mac forms and stuff something called Vibook. Um, now, it's a company I've not heard of, or, or well, Villagetronic. No, I'm not too familiar with them. But they have something called Vibook, which is a USB to DVI adapter. Um, and they say here, you know, smallest USB graphics solution, uh, any display up to 22-inch, 16850 by 1050 or 1600 by 1200 So the one thing you got to keep in mind here is because this is USB, and I think the reason they're limiting the resolution and the size is because USB is going to be a bottleneck. It's not right. going to give you as much bandwidth as a, a you know a PCI or PCIe or whatever type of high speed bus that you have it's a you know USB 2 until we get USB 3 is going to be 480 megabits per second which is down to you know tens of megabytes per second so you're not going to squeeze that much through but and you know so keep that in mind um so what I found was Vibook then I looked around a little more and I found a company that I think you and I are a bit more familiar with I believe they're going to be showing at Macworld Day Geffen and they have a device here geffen usb to dvi adapter and there you go usb port on one side dvi plug on the other you plug in your dvi monitor there you go you have an additional port um same same limitations as the uh uh, vibook one right i mean in terms of it's it's got a maximum resolution and and all of that is that right um i'm looking here that they touch on to right yeah well, well it has to yeah okay so, you know, USB 2 definitely. Um, PC has to have a certain class processor. Um, so, so they make something. Oh, but then, right. you know, as I, as I kept exploring, so, so that's another example. Um, but then I kept exploring and I found another page that seemed to link to this consortium called Display Link. And they had a little trademark next to their name. And I look at this and what I see is a lot of the other products that I found elsewhere. Um, so it seems to be this group that wants to promote you using uh, external devices via USB or another bus, I think USB mainly, to give you an extra DVI port, which is just cool because USB is USB 2.0 for the most part is universal. But the only downside is sure. that it's, it's, you know, relatively slower than other buses. Um, so we'll link to this page where they show a whole bunch of some of its computers, um, you know, and other devices here. But then as we looked at these, Dave, you actually noticed something very interesting, which is uh, yeah. so shifted over to you a bit here, but because it wasn't an adapter so much, but that, that's right. So Acer uh, sells a monitor that, that has this technology built into it. So you can plug right in to a, uh, to a USB, 
USB port. The monitor just plugs right in. It, this is really cool. I mean, it. I guess it's been possible for a long time, and perhaps people have been doing it for a long time, but this really is the first I'd ever heard of it, John. And and maybe it's just because, you know, we tend to bury our heads in the sand and be totally oblivious to external. Oh, no, no, we, we're, we're not that way. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, that happens. This, this stuff kind of, you know, never crosses our paths here. But it, I mean, this really is is awesome. I mean, it's, to me, it's fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I noticed on the Geffen page they're saying that up to six usb to dvi converters can be connected to a pc or four to a mac which is interesting uh at a time so you could connect four monitors plus the one connected to your dvi port now you brought up an interesting point john if we're going over usb the computer has to do a lot of work now part of that work is simply talking over the usb bus but the other part is that the computer is compressing the video signal down and then sending it out to this USB adapter, which is then decompressing it and, and spitting out, you know, a DVI image. So uh, it would be interesting to play with this a little bit and see how well the images refresh and how well they look. You know, take a, a picture. I'm assuming it's lossless compression. Right. But uh, but that that, that 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 I mean, don't I don't assume. But yeah, it could be, but, but a lot of times with video and sound and other phenomenon. You can drop a little data and the user will not notice. I I notice when we compress audio, it sounds like poop sometimes. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but other times, I mean, MP3 is a fine example. MP3 typically will shave off the low end and the high end when you go at low, low right. bit rates. Right. And most people won't notice the difference. That's right. I would imagine the same as with video. Like, you know, you're probably not going to notice if you have 32-bit video if you lose a couple of bits here and there. So, but I don't it, know. It's yeah, an interesting it, question. It, it certainly, it depends on what you're doing, right? I mean, if you're doing some uh, video editing or Photoshopping or something like that, this might be a total fail. But, you know, remember, you you still have the direct DVI connector in your MacBook. So if you need multiple screens, you you make the screen that is most important to you, the one that's connected directly. And then you sort of put all your ancillary stuff on the USB screens. Yeah. I think, you know, this is a really nice kind of alternative. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll take that back. Now that I think about it, I, I, I don't think they're doing lossy. No, that doesn't make sense for video because yeah, video has to be pretty true to, to what you see. It would have to be lossless. Yeah. 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 Now what I did notice on the Acer and, and probably some others. Now here's a little caveat that we see coming into the, the picture here, especially with the HD screens. Um, they mention here that the Acer screen supports HDCP. If you know what that is, Dave, then you should be shaking your fist. HDCP. I've, I've heard of this. Well, you have it between your TiVo and your HDTV. Oh. You thief. Uh, HD digital content protection. So right. apparently, when you license, and I looked into this a little bit, when you license um, you know, the whole... Uh, uh, high def uh, connection, like uh, what's the heck the one that we have on our, our TiVos there? HDMI. Uh, HDMI is the current one, okay, which yeah. is a, a kind of DVI like. But anyways, uh, apparently, if you want to be a HDMI licensee, and uh, from what I saw, at least at the point when I looked at it, depending on how much you want to pay for your license to use that, if you include copy protection, they will lower the fee. Really? So it's a way to encrypt it. Uh, yeah. So there is uh, and. Uh, you know, for the most part, as long as your device and your TV both have HDCP, you're cool. So in our case, Dave, it's transparent. Yeah, except TiVo when I can't it, copy t- stuff off my TiVo because it says that there's a, you know, some Well, issue, that's right? different. Well, oh, what I'm I talking see what you're about, saying. Never mind. I'm, I'm joining the party now. I'm here. Right. 
Okay, right. so this encrypts. So what about HDCP encrypts the data stream between Got the it. video card and the device because there's the potential for evil people to sniff that traffic or just suck it down, and then you got a pure digital signal. Now, what you're talking about is a little different. Now, we're taking a little tangent here. We apologize, but we like to do this sometimes. Now, what you're talking about, Dave, and I noticed this too, it seems your provider, which is Comcast, is a bit more uh, jackbooted than than (laughs) my provider here. I'm sorry. And that I noticed a lot of things on your... So, so I I think this is a result of something called the broadcast flag. Yes. Which is a a bit in a high-def piece of video that says... I'm only for viewing or, yeah, you can do whatever you want with me. And, right. and there are utilities that are available for TiVo and others that will suck down the video if it says it's okay. Right. Now, one can imagine you just flip this bit, but I'm sure it's not as simple as that. But you had a lot of content oh, yeah. on your TiVo which said protected. And it doesn't even offer you the option to download because nope. I'm assuming this bit is set saying I'm only to watch. And a lot of times I saw it was mostly like sporting events and you know, hockey and baseball and people that are really paranoid about their content floating. About, Actually, so. sporting events, I haven't had the issue with. It's been it, I mean, it's weird things like uh, like family guy. I couldn't pull off the TV. Really? Yeah. But I it noticed was only on, if it was well, from cable a, vision. I noticed sport sporting events for the most part were protected. Oh, interesting. I'll have to look. Comcast may we, have a different deal, but I wish it wasn't there. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. So anyways, a little tangent on what you may have to deal with if you're talking uh, just because I see Acer mention it and I think it's a good thing. So, yeah. All right. Uh, So this is a cool thing. I'm I'm really glad that. uh, that, Oh, wait, no, no. But we have more. Right. But wait, there's less. No, there's more. And then then I poked around a little bit more. And this is where you found a little gem here. So all I'll say, Dave, is I thought, well, you know, USB is kind of a pokey solution. Now, the, the latest Macs have something called Express Card, which is the next generation PCMCIA. Right. You know, it's smaller, a little smaller, I think, form factor. It's uh, faster. Um, you know, there are some cards that do all sorts of things. And I'm like, maybe someone has an Express Card solution to give you a DVI port. And so I poked around, found something on uh, Mac Rumors. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah Not that yeah. we support rumors. In sure, the least. we do. <laughs> Only if someone else started it. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, Belkin. And, and, and you found this. This is awesome. I never knew this existed. We, we must have been not paying attention. But go on, Dave. You, you found a cool, cool device. Yeah. It, Belkin doesn't have it available on their site, but I found a couple of other places where it is. It's called the Belkin High Speed Docking Station. And again, it's yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, how did we miss this? Um, it plugs into your express card slot on your MacBook Pro. It's got a DVI port, a VGA port, three USB ports, an Ethernet port, digital audio, audio line in, and then audio line out, three broken out so you get discrete channels, front left and right, rear left and right, and then another, which is a stereo pair that gives you a center on one and subwoofer on the other. So you get six audio channels out. The only thing it doesn't have is Firewire. This thing's pretty cool. It's 200 bucks. I saw it actually Belkin says it's 200, but it's sold out. So you can't spend $200 on it, but I saw it for 150 or less uh, on a couple of different shopping sites. This is pretty freaking cool. And for somebody like me, it's awesome because it would be one thing to plug in when my, when I plug my laptop in at my desk, as opposed to finding the speaker cable and the power cable and this, I guess it would be two things. Cause I got to plug power in as well. But, oh uh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. I'm going to ruin your day, dude. Dude, ruin my day. It's only for uh, it's not for uh, I Mac, just, isn't it? I just saw the FAQ. Will the high speed docking station work with Mac? No, the high speed docking station will not work with Mac. Yeah, oh, that ruins. My day. OK, but I'm going to hope that there are similar products from other vendors. So for you PC folks, 
I wonder if you, I wonder if the people, nah. Maybe that's why they're not going to Macworld. <laughs> oh, do we need to be so silent to talk about them too? Oh, wait, that no. doesn't work. No, stop no. it. Okay. Okay. So let's hope they make it for, because I'm assuming it's possible if you, you know, if it works with Express Card, because that's both on the PC and the Mac. So, oh, what a bummer. I should have noticed that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, 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 th- th- we're flying by the seats of our pants here. Um, oh. Is there support? How does one VGA port, five USB ports, microphone in and audio out, uh, VGA port will do up to 1440 by 1050 or 1280 by 1024 from Kensington is uh, the uh, SD200V notebook docking station with video now works with MacBook computers via the beta version of the Mac driver. Ooh, so Kensington has a similar device. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is this plugs into your USB port. Mm, so it's doing easier. so really yeah. it's just a USB hub with oh, with our, our magic little VGA converter. Right. That we just finished talking about, presumably a display link thing. In fact, it has the display link logo right here on the on the Web page. So it's a, a USB hub a display link thing and then also USB audio all bit built in to uh, to one. So that's not so bad. That's pretty close. The one thing it doesn't have is Ethernet that, that the Belkin thing does. OK, so, so we'll, we'll do a bit more research. So, so we, we've definitely identified multiple solutions. Uh, again, I'm, I'm sad that the Belkin thing is not yet. Yeah. Not compatible. This would give you cleaner, cleaner audio than you would get by plugging in directly to the stereo speaker port on your MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Cool. Can we move on? Is it okay? Moving on. Moving right along. Uh, our first sponsor is Circus Ponies with Notebook 3.0. Notebook is a, a diagramming, sketching, electronic notebook tool. You create different pages inside the application. In fact, you create different entire notebooks for different subjects or different projects or however you want to organize your life. And you put these inside the notebook. You can add PDFs to the pages. You can draw on the pages. It will do handwriting recognition. It's got uh, all sorts of different things. You can you can actually annotate on PDFs inside notebook uh, this software is uh, a notebook version 3.0 is, uh, and I want to make sure I have my pricing all right. So I'm getting to the right places here. Here we go. The software is forty nine ninety five dollars uh, normally, but up until December 24th. So, you know, we're here on the 22nd. We're going to release this show tonight uh, in both feeds because we're doing the MP3. So there's no AAC conversion delay. Uh, 20% off of a standard or the three user family pack, which is usually ninety nine ninety five. If you use the coupon code geek gab, G E E K G A B. And uh, it's all uppercase. So uh, the coupon is, is good through all the way through Christmas Eve. Circusponies.com is where you go. And, uh, and you can, you can of course get the free trial, but uh, you've only got a couple of days left to take advantage of this pricing. So if you're at all interested, just, Bite the bullet, pull the trigger, jump in with both feet, and uh, is that, am I am I overdoing it, John, or is it good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell I'm all hopped up tonight? Yeah, good. You have right. Coffee, tea? Uh, I got tea going. Actually, it's got mate in it, so I'm I'm a little uh, I don't know if it's caffeine or it's matine in it. But circus ponies at uh, circusponies.com, notebook 
GeekGab, all caps, coupon 20% off. Can't beat it. Check it out. Go. Now, run. Quick. Pause the show. Go do it. Then come back. Hi, you're back. They're back, John. We're ready to go. You ready to go? Go. <laughs> How are we doing on time here? Do we have any time left? I got no time. I don't got time. Uh, uh, should we do the, uh, uh, let's just go right on to JP here. Let's just keep rocking with this. Okay. JP has, JP has something to say. Hey, John and Dave, it is Jeff from Denver, Colorado. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Just... That's the wrong question. I said we were moving on to JP. Uh, anyway, this is JP continued. I got cut go. off. Um, two machines, a desktop, a laptop, mobile me syncing. Calendars is the problem. Uh, everything fine on the desktop, everything fine on the cloud. Uh, laptop cannot sync calendars due to inconsistent data. Tells me to resync the calendar in the advanced uh, pane of the uh, mobile me, which I do continually. Uh, and it still just does not work. No calendars will come down uh, and sync to the laptop. I wiped the hard drive last night. Uh, created a new user account, thinking it's going to take care of everything, and still the same issue. So I wasted that that much time. Uh, so now I'm playing around with uh, resetting the sync history in iSync. I've thrown away some sync data folders. I'm you know I'm trying to drill down and find out what's causing this to not calendar not to sync. I've changed the preferences in the iCal to save events and things to only be a certain amount of time. I've, you know, anyway, it's still working on the desktop between the cloud and the, uh, my account, but I just can't, can't get this, uh, third one to, to sync the calendars only, which is odd. Anyway, uh, I thought I'm at wit's end and I was hoping you could help. Uh, thanks so much. Well, JP, you're not sacrificing the right chicken. I mean, clearly, I don't you're, know. you're doing mobile me. That's the only way to make it work, right? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer the fair and balanced, though, or, or the... <laughs> go, go. I'm going to offer what you should do, and then Dave is going to uh, pick it up or kick it up a notch, whatever. So what I would suggest, and I think this is our standard reply for things like this, Dave, is you want to go into system preferences, mobile me, uh, the sync tab, advanced, you will see a list of the registered computers with mobile me. I would suggest grabbing the computer that you're having a problem with, unregistering it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, and then re-register. So that may be one way to do this, but, but there's also, of course, a, in that same screen, reset sync data where you can, I guess, you know, maybe so unregister, re-register, reset sync data, or just do reset sync data. I don't know. You may want to do both. Just, just uh, that should clear up most sync problems because I'm thinking it should remove knowledge of that system from the cloud. Now I'm just going by what they're calling here. I mean, they're saying unregister reset sync data. Those sound pretty definitive. Now, now you, I don't know, you may have a, a different take on this, Dave. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to toss the ball to you and you're, you're going to run with it. I have been through exactly this problem before <laughs> uh, with that JP describes and, and you're absolutely right, John. I started with, with exactly what you did and was, confounded as well by uh, the fact that it did not solve the problem. And uh, the fact that JP went through even, you know, re reformatting his, his machine and that didn't solve the problem. 
the problem exists in two places. One is in the uh, sync libraries and sync logs on the machine. So JP got rid of those. But what happens is even if you pull the sync data off of the server, you aren't you aren't actually pulling anything off the server other than the registration of that particular computer. All of the data still lives on the dot Mac server. So there's two ways you can do this. One is to completely remove the data from the server. And to do that, you have to remove every machine uh, from in that. Uh, if, if you go into the advanced section of the mobile me sync system preferences, you remove them all. And once you've removed the last one, it will ask you a very important question. It will say there is sync data for, you know, address book, calendar, keychain, you know, whatever you're doing. Do you want to leave this out here or do you want to delete it? And you can choose to delete it. You can also do this from the command line uh, using a the uh, it's in slash system slash library slash core services with capital C as dot Mac sync client. And then there's all sorts of stuff you can do from the command line. All the, the system preferences pane is doing is accessing this this little little command here. So if you're interested in touching it a little more directly that's the way you do it and you've got to enter your dot mac username and uh, the password and it goes out to the cloud and, and messes with it but the way i have found to solve jp's problem is so what's happening is he's got one machine that's syncing just fine up to the cloud and he might even have another one that's syncing okay but there's this one machine that will not take the data down from the cloud and gives some sort of errors like there was inconsistencies in the sync data and uh, I could not complete the sync. And if you look at the logs, it'll complain about that, but it doesn't matter. It, you know, it still doesn't work. The only way I've been able to fix this is to take, if you go into your home folder into library and go into calendars, there's a bunch of data in there. Uh, some of it's sync data, but most of it is simply the data for your calendars. All these ICS files organized into folders. Take all the data that's there on the machine that is, that has the data set you want and copy it, replace the contents of the home library calendars folder on the offending machine. So that's step one. You put it all in there and then you go into the uh, mobile me sync advanced and system preferences and choose reset sync data. And this time you tell it update the mobile me from this computer suit so from the offending mm. computer. But you've put the data over there. So you're kind of, you know. Doing a, an end run on the problem, if you will. Hmm. And that has solved it for me every single time. Uh, so that's the uh, that's that particular problem. Now, if you if you're ready, once you're once we're done talking about this problem, you let me know. And, and then I've got something else to add here. <clears throat> Go. Are you ready? Holy moly. What's the matter with dot Mac mobile me sync? This is insane, John. I updated my machines to ten five six. Okay, I'm trying to. And I, I noticed. I think we we talked. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bring you down. Yeah. So I think we talked in the last show. I did. I, I think I made passing mention, but I noticed um, due to my pal Little Snitch, which I like. But I don't think you particularly care for it, but I we all have our it. own preferences. Yes. Little Snitch, when I updated to ten five six, came up with a few additional daemons or processes. It says, yeah. "Hey, this thing wants to go to the internet. You want to let it?" I'm like. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a system daemon. Sure, I'll let you go out. And and they seem to have something to do, at least in the naming, with dot .max sync. And I thought, oh, thank goodness they've listened to Dave and they've come up with new, better, more efficient 
um, you know, system processes to deal with the synchronization issue. Because like one thing they touted was, oh, now things will update within a minute. Yes. Change it on one machine, which is what should happen anyway. And actually, my experience has been maybe not a minute, but, you know, a couple of minutes if I change like my address book or something like that is eventually the cloud will get it and the other machines will suck it down. And uh, but uh, apparently those new processes didn't do it for you. I'm assuming all the machines that you have are all you upgraded them all to 10.56 or did you? Okay. So I will address what you said and then I will raise you one. So <laughs> those new processes do what they are supposed to do in 10.56. No question about it. And it's nice. I mean, I can update my address book and then, you know, usually within about five minutes, my iPhone is updated, right? It, it's pretty magical mm-hmm. and it's cool how they're doing it. They're, they're, you know, it, it almost seems like they might be using FS events, um, which is the whole thing that uh, allows Time Machine to know what files have been updated so you can back up. Uh, mm. It seems like there might be something going on with, with that. But anyway, it, it works. So that's what those new processes do, and they're great. The problem I'm about to tell you, the problem about which, whatever it is, the thing I'm going to yeah. rant about here exists whoa, whoa, whoa. in 10.55 and 10.56 and probably <sighs> earlier. I decided that because I was updated, because... I've had my share of sync issues with MobileMe. I decided I would go ahead and reset my sync data on the server. Now, I do this about once every month to six weeks because it just has to happen that way, right? There's always some problems. So I'm updating Mm -hmm. something. So I figured, okay, this is a good time. So on my main MacBook Pro, I made sure I had all my stuff synced up. And I went and updated it to 10.56, turned off syncing on all the other computers, updated it to 10.56, and blasted my, uh, you know, did the whole reset thing. Except it wouldn't work. It would upload a fresh copy of my address book, my calendars, my keychains, everything but my Yojimbo library. And what would happen? I watched the home slash library slash log slash sync slash dot max sync dot log. And yes, folks, I know that from memory because I've been looking at it far too much lately. I watched it. And what would happen, John, is uh, it would get to the point where it said uploading Yojimbo data. Now, I have a fairly large Yojimbo library. It's somewhere between four and five hundred megabytes. And a lot there's a lot of audio files in there, right, because of the show and all that stuff. And it would go for exactly 10 minutes. And then uh, the log wouldn't say anything yet, but the little menu bar icon would stop spinning and the system preference pane would act as though there was no sync happening. I could click sync again. It wasn't acting like it was in the middle of the sync. Then about two minutes later, the upload would finish. That would be reported in the logs. And then right after that, it would say, uh, yeah, this sync client went unresponsive, so we're canceling it from the job. Clearly, the issue is that there's a 10-minute timeout, and, and, and trust me, this existed prior to 10.56, 10-minute timeout with MobileMe, and if it gets to that point, boom, it just blows away the thing. I have not found a way to increase that timeout. I did finally get an mm-hmm. upload to complete, so I thought, okay, great. Now I can pull it down. My downstream is much faster than my upstream, so I'm okay, right? I'll, I'll be able to, to live. Well, MobileMe's servers throttle the downstream to being just about the same speed that I uploaded at. And that means that I ran into the same problem. And I have not mm-hmm. been able to get a sync down 
uh, onto my iMac in the studio. Now, it was on 10.55 up until last night when I updated it to 10.56, but uh, but I was having these problems with 10.55. Exact same thing would happen on the download. It would run for 10 minutes. Then everything would act like it never, uh, you know, it wasn't doing anything. About three minutes later, the download would finish, and then it would blow it out of the water. And I have not been able to get it to complete. Why in the world would they allow you? And I've talked to Bare Bones, and they're not aware of any issues, but uh, they say, yeah, there might be some timeouts, but that's an Apple thing. And, you know, we've got to talk to Apple and da 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 da. Long story short, I don't have Yojimbo syncing on any of my Macs anymore. And it totally sucks. So there you go. That's how Apple ruined my life. I feel for your brother. Do you? I don't think you do. I think you're humoring me. Yeah. I'm not feeling sincerity here. No. Let's move on. Is it time to move on? Are you feeling, are you feeling that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Perhaps we should do our second sponsor here. Perhaps we should. Okay. Our second sponsor is Devon Technologies at devon-technologies.com. Devon has uh, a couple of products we're going to talk about. The first is DevonThink, which is a single database for all your digital files. You can store PDFs, emails, Word documents. uh, And then once you put them all in there, DevonThink has sort of an artificial intelligence that is unique to the Mac that assists you in filing, organizing, and searching for your data. Of course, they have a free trial of this at devon-technologies.com, and then it's $39.95 if and when you decide to purchase it. It's your document repository, your filing cabinet, your email archive, uh, kind of a project organizer, all good to go. In addition to that, they've got Devon Agent. Devon Agent uh, allows you, it communicates with search engines, digs through all the results, and gives you only those pages that it feels are really worth reading. Now, this is pretty cool. You know, if you're looking for a certain subject, there's a lot of data out there, right? So Devon Agent kind of uses that same artificial intelligence to go out and find the stuff that really, truly relates to your uh, the, the topic that you're searching about and kind of creates an interactive mind map to help you make sense of, of, of the findings. They've got more than 130 plugins for all the popular search engines. And uh, this is something, again, it's uh, it's 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 forty nine ninety five if you choose to buy it. But of course, they have a free trial. Highly recommend you go check this out. It's called Devon Agent at Devon-Technologies.com. And that's uh, that's that. I think we've got uh, we've got everything from them, right? Devon Technologies, Mm Devon-Technologies.com. Devon Think for thirty nine ninety five. Devon Agent for forty nine ninety five. All right, Devon Technologies dot com. Any questions, Sean? Who's next? Well, you know, we started playing Jeff's question, and I'm sure Jeff was excited to uh, to hear it. It was really more of a tip, but actually, we have some follow on data, so uh, so we'll go ahead and run that. Hey, John and Dave, it is Jeff from Denver, Colorado. Uh, I was just listening to episode one eighty one, I believe, the latest one. And you had mentioned that OpenDNS does not have a way of knowing what your uh, internal IP address is. Actually, they now have a Windows client, unfortunately not Mac yet. And when you install it, it will automatically let OpenDNS know if your internal IP address has changed and it redoes all of the configuration for you automatically. But 
Unfortunately, it is Windows only. This is the part where you cut me off. Okay, all right, we're going to cut you off. No, I'm going to talk and I'm talking. Okay, there we go. Had to get the button in the right place. (laughs) Heaven forbid I have to edit anything in the show. Uh, no, you that's, know. that's against the rules. No, I agree. Look, I'm, I'm busy. You're busy. Pete's busy. You know, we, we, right. we don't have time to edit. <laughs> Got to try to get it right the first time. Yeah, but, that's um, the goal. We, uh, we, folks, we have rarely edited anything in uh, in this show. So I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, so it's so interesting that uh, that I heard this question today obviously it came in a little bit before but uh but i saw it when i was going through all the prep that you made john a mac client exists for this i found it at about 1 30 a.m today when i was up because our power had gone off again pete did your power yeah, go off at midnight it did about for about 20 hours. minutes uh, oh yeah no we were out for about two hours oh really yeah it went you out guys. for about 30 seconds came back on yep about three or four minutes later it went out for a couple of hours oh <sighs> Were you freaking out just like me? No, you know what I did? I just, I happened to still be awake. I was just getting ready to turn off the light. It yep. turned off about all by itself. <laughs> I said, the heck with it. If I get called, called, I'll go downstairs and start the generator and yeah. put until then. Uh, and a couple hours later, all of a sudden, uh, all the Christmas lights were back. You know, with the candles yeah. in the window thing. Yeah. They oh. came back on and my wife's like, what was that? I'm like, power's just coming back on. It yeah. was off? Yeah. After, after, you know, that the four day power outage, I totally freaked out when the, cause I woke up, we, we had just yeah. fallen asleep and uh, the, the power, it was doing the, well, the UPS on the TV in the bedroom was, was beeping and we thought it was the fire alarms. I'm like what the heck? And I look outside across to the office in the studio here, which is on a different feed from the street. And I see we have a light, like an outside light that's motion sensor and, you know, light mm-hmm. sensitive. And it's flickering on and off. I'm like, oh, no, 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 Here it no, goes. No, 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 no. Here it goes. Yeah. Well, and, you know what they need? You're talking about these ambiguous beeps. Why can't they just have voice announcements? Nice. Like UPS low, not beep, beep. What's that beep? Could be the fire alarm, could be the UPS, could be the coffee okay. maker. You just don't know. And man, at two o'clock in the morning when you're half asleep, oh. you got a flashlight. You're going, what is that? So I got up. I shoveled the deck. <laughs> All right, can we focus here, guys? I, yeah. I think we're okay. talking about open DNS yeah. and so, yeah. the, the issue with associating it with IP addresses. And I think Jeff, uh, well, yeah, Jeff asked a question. Aspect of it, right? So uh, the, the the reason I was talking about this is the uh, FileMaker server, which is our Mac OS 10 server here, and it also is our DHCP server and runs kind of everything. Uh, it turned off and would not come back on. And I could tell this from my iPhone and I knew that, you know, people were going to try and get online. I knew Greg was going to get up pretty early today and kind of take a, you know, he needed to, to get in. And I thought, you know, let me just go over and do this now so that my phone's not ringing at 6am. And uh, so I, I came over and I realized the machine was off. So I turned it on energy saver as a tangent to whatever this tangent is. Uh, energy saver allows you to tell a machine to turn on after a power failure. It also has two different, completely different sets of settings, whether it's running on regular power or running on UPS power. I had checked that checkbox if it were running on regular power. But of course, it wouldn't shut off unless it was running on UPS power. And on the UPS power side, that checkbox wasn't checked. So that's why the machine didn't come back up. It came back up fine. I made I made the, ch- the settings change. Everything was good. Uh, 
But then I realized, you know, I hadn't updated OpenDNS since my IP address changed the week before. And so I started digging around. And sure enough, I found the Jeff client, the, the Jeff client that Mac was talking about, <laughs> the Mac client that Jeff, that Jeff was, talking. was talking about. <laughs> yes, Whoa. Uh, and uh, and it works great. You put your username, your password and your network name in. Of course, you have to register at OpenDNS for free first, uh, which I already had. Plug that in and uh, it's an app. So you have to log in in order to get the app to run on startup. But then it, you know, I've just got it running on the Mac OS 10 server. And anytime the uh, the, the uh, IP address changes, it updates to uh, the OpenDNS servers. And the reason it needs to update the OpenDNS servers is you have you can have customized settings as to what type of stuff you want it to let through and what type of stuff you don't. And the only way it can know what to filter is by which IP address is requesting the DNS lookup. And so that's why you want to have uh, those kind of sync together. And, and this does it just fine. So, right. Because I think for the most part, any DNS system, what it links to as far so DNS maps a name to an IP address. For the most mm-hmm. part, uh, I'll, I'll say in general, that data is rather static right. for the most part. Right. MacMissouri.com and Apple.com and all these guys usually go to the same IP address, but consumer modems, uh, usually for a cable modem or something like that, typically there's a potential, especially if your power goes out like it did yes. for most of the New England. <laughs> um, you may, you may, though actually I've noticed mine has been pretty consistent over the course of about a year. Yeah. Even if I lose juice, I come back, it still gives me the same IP address because I think it's just easier sometimes. And I, I think that's called a, uh, like a static lease, I think, because sometimes yep. in, in my nine to five, I'll say, you know, I got this machine. Here's the Mac address. I know you do DHCP. Can you please give this IP address to this machine or this name to this machine every time you start up? And they're like, yeah, sure. We can map that. Yeah, so what? I know I, I haven't admined you know, a, a DHCP server, but, but just based on the fact that I asked for this and it happens, I assume that there's a capability and I'll, I'll mess around with it someday. Yeah. Well, day. I, I have, I have admined many DHCP servers and what happens okay. is when you, when a device requests a, a lease on an IP address, assigns that IP address for a fixed period of time, let's say 24 hours that and, right. and the and it and the device is told that its lease is good for 24 hours. So that means at the 23 hour, 59 minute and 59 second mark, the device is uh, it knows then to go back out and release that IP on the server end. It stores all that information and one more important piece of data and that important piece of data is the mac address the media access control address which is unique to the ethernet port on or or airport connection or whatever mm-hmm. network connection you have on the device uh, that requested the address so it knows if you've got if they have already reserved for you uh, an ip address for 24 hours and you go uh you know a wall for 12 hours well they're still holding that address for you for 24. So if you come back and you say, hi, I want an address. I need a new address. It looks in its logs and it says, ah, we already have you in here and you already have an active address. So we're just going to give you the one that you had before because it's already reserved for you. So there's no reason to reserve you another and then have this one unusable for, you know, another 12 hours or or whatever it is. So, so that's why that happens the way it does. And that's why it's, it's common to keep your, uh, IP address forever. If you change your router out, though, your IP address will almost certainly change. 
And that's why. Because every device has its own MAC address. For the most part. Yes. So we talked about how you can change that, but that's... In some cases, you can. That's right. But don't get caught. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just yeah. be careful. All right. Hey, where are we? What do you want to do? Pick one, John. Uh, from uh, from any of these, you want to do Sinclair because we're we're kind of we're you know kind of I like Sinclair time. because Sinclair yeah I, I like Sinclair because I think we can we can toss this around a bit. I, so I know, I know this is one you uh, we missed well, last I've, week. I've, I've researched a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Sinclair writes, I have been a listener to the show for the last year and I really enjoy it, except when you guys talk about security issues. In a recent podcast, John talked about digital certificates and EV certificates as having something to do with trust. They have nothing to do with trust. They only attempt to verify who the owner of the certificate is. You could be a scammer and get a digital certificate. Please let your podcast listeners know this. Otherwise, they will think they can trust anyone with a digital certificate. If they want to learn more, try the Security Now podcast with Steve Gilmore and Leo Laporte. Is that right? Gibson. Gibson. I knew it wasn't Gilmore. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, uh, Get it at GRC.com. They talked about digital certificates in a recent podcast. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Sinclair. So I, that, oh. it makes it, he makes a good point that you can get a certificate that simply verifies that you are who you actually are. And, well, well, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say not necessarily. Let's. All right. We're going to have the quick lesson here. So, okay. again, I've done security work. I will not claim to be a security expert, but I, I'd say a security enthusiast. What is a dig- digital certificate? Basically, a digital certificate is um, something that results from something called public key encryption. And basically what you have are two keys, a public key and a private key. Everybody can have one or the other. Um, what a certificate is, is a public key. So you as an individual could generate yourself a public key, which can be shared with the world and then uh, use your private key to you know, complete the operation, right. but a certificate is a public key signed by the private key of someone who claims to be a CA, which is a certificate authority. Again, a lot of this may be gobbledygook. We'll, we'll link to the things, but, but for the people that, that, that kind of grok this, I just want to go through this. So the thing is, when you load a certificate into a browser, so when you do an HTTPS connection, if you load a page and you use a modern browser like Safari or Firefox or whatever, if the certificate is signed um, and there are only certain people that can sign them or. Okay, John, you, you, uh, you cut out. And in the so operator, stop. If a certificate is signed, that's where you cut out. I'll let you continue from there. Okay. So a certificate has to be signed and, and actually we should step back a bit. So, how do you know who is trusted to sign certificates that your computer will accept without complaining? You want to go to Keychain Access, which is in Utilities, I believe. I, I'm going to take a step back here for a moment uh, just to explain sort of what the user experience is. If you okay. load a secure page right, and it's a certificate that is not signed, so it's I created the certificate and I put it out there on the web and I say it's okay – uh, what will happen is you'll get a little dialogue that will say, I cannot verify the authority of the certificate that you're using. Do you want to continue? If the certificate, right. however, is signed, and John, you're going to explain what that means in a minute, 
then you you just load HTTPS, whatever, you know, Citibank.com or whatever, and it goes right through, no problem, because that certificate is, for some reason, trusted by your browser. And John, why is it trusted? Why is Citibank's certificate trusted by the browser, but the one that I just created on my uh, from the command line on my machine is not? And the reason it's trusted... Thank you, Dave. That, that, sure. that, that helps ground this. Yep. But the reason it's trusted is because there are certain um, what we're going to call certificate authorities who. Um, so, number one, they do this operation where they will take a public key that's given to them, sign it with their private key, and then your browser does not complain about it, like Dave mentioned. So the problem is if you make a cert, you sign it yourself, the browser will say, I don't know who this is. Um, so you go to Keychain Access click on system roots and you will look through the list of people. These are the people that are meant uh, that are known or they submit their credentials to the people that make the operating system. And therefore um, the browser will say, I trust that. Right. And it will not complain unless something weird happens like a couple of other weird things. So one is certificates have a lifetime. They may expire. So if you don't pay your fee and, and, and you don't renew it, your, your browser may say, hey, this thing, uh, the date says it, it's expired. Is that cool? And well, it may be, it may not. Somebody may have, in accounting, may have forgotten to pay the bill. Um, no, it happens. So I, I've seen it happen. Or people, people let it lapse. But uh, I would say, suffice to say is that if, the, if you connect to an HTTPS site and it doesn't raise any alerts or alarms, then... Well, we just got to go go back to the question here from uh, Sinclair. Now, he's saying you can't necessarily trust. And I'm going to question the statement. So I would agree if it's a so what Dave talked about before, a self-signed certificate. You cannot trust that because you don't know who signed it. And the browser says, hey, I don't know who this is. But if if the person that does it is within um, keychain access, one of these system certificates, and here's the caveat. So, so I guess I'll, I'll agree to a certain extent. Now, I'm looking, I mean, the company that I've worked with in the past, I think you may have too, Dave, but, but these guys probably have the biggest name in the, in the certificate and security community, and that's VeriSign. And their certificates are included in, um, in the keychain. If you look and you look under the uh, you know, uh, system keychain, you'll see there's several VeriSign uh, certificates that, that are authorized and, and the browser knows about. Now, when I looked on their website, though, I'm looking, well, what do these guys do? You know, do they do anything? And as a matter of fact, if you buy something from them, they claim, now this is the thing where, where people may differ, they claim if they issue a certificate, they do something called full organiz- organization authentication. Got it? <laughs> Got it. And and just what they say, say it that ten is, times fast though. No. Okay. But, but I, what what I will say is what what they call it or what what they define it as. Verisign verifies the existence of your business, the ownership of your domain name, and your authority to apply for the certificate. Our authentication procedures undergo annual independent SAS seventy type two audits, whatever the heck that is, and are web trust certified. So at least in this case, for certificates that Verisign issues, it, it sounds to me like they stand behind them. And they will do at least some level of authentication to make sure I'm not saying, hi, I'd like a certificate that says I'm Apple.com. They may question that. Okay. Right. So, 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 so I guess on one level, I will agree that, I don't know. I, I guess the one thing I got to say is you got to trust somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, that's right. By, I, by I default, would, you have to pick 
Right. An initial person to trust. And then the trust is, is sort of uh, handed out by proxy from there. So the thing is, do you trust Apple to trust the people that that submit their credentials that makes the browser say it's probably OK when you connect to a site which has a certificate issued by a certain group? You could say, absolutely not. I don't trust Apple. I don't trust any of these people in my keychain. I don't trust anybody, in which case, okay, great. <laughs> you got to trust somebody. Now, again, I'd say VeriSign is probably being one of the big players in this arena. If VeriSign does a thorough job of certifying somebody and issuing a certificate, and you can, of course, when you connect to a secure site, you will see somewhere either a little lock or with what they call the EV certificates, the extended validation, where they go through a more thorough procedure, you'll see a little green, at least in Safari, some green text or something. Uh, you can click on that and you can look at who issued the certificate. If it's VeriSign, that's cool. If it's somebody else, and actually, you know, I was looking through the keychain, Dave, and there, there are probably a couple there, which I don't know. I mean, I saw a couple that were actually kind of looked like, you know, AAA certificate <laughs> Actually, I found one. I'm sorry. AAA certificate services. <laughs> and and if you if someone bought a certificate from AAA certificate services and you went to their website, Safari would not complain unless you went into your keychain and removed that certificate uh, from AAA and said, look, I don't want to trust anybody that bought from from them. Right. But Apple or, put, Apple puts in the kind of commonly accepted default uh, certificate authorities into uh, into Safari. So Right. So I don't mean to, to pick on AAA, but then what you can do right. further, so we're going to link to this. So say you have trust issues, which, you know, <laughs> Some we all do might. to a certain level. Sure. But if you go into Keychain Access and select a particular system root certificate, like, let, let, no, I don't want to pick on these guys. Yeah, keep picking so, on them. You might as well just keep going. Eh, okay. There's no yeah. reason to pick on them. We have no reason to say that they are or aren't trustworthy. In fact, I would say that because Apple has included them, you might as well just trust them. Uh, you probably have already. Right. Right. But we'll and pick on them It sounds like anyway. they're, they're, they're over in the UK or, or Great Britain. Uh, right. And again, we'll, we'll link to them. Maybe people we'll... have, it, I like the accents over there, so I'm just going to trust them anyway. All right. So if you go into Keychain Access, you double click on that certificate, it will bring up a subpane. And one of the the uh, um, options, pull downs or, or triangles. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the proper term. You know, the triangle you click on and it gives you more options. It could be options. So they have you can unfold list, that part, right? unfold the part. OK, right. so it has a trust thing, which if you click on the triangle and unfolds it, it says when using this certificate, use system defaults. Okay, that's probably good for most people, but if you don't want to use the system defaults, then, and, and we'll link to an Apple, Apple article that goes into great detail, what would you like to trust this certificate to do? And it lists the following options. I'll name a few of them, but you'll recognize some of these. So one is secure sockets layer. Do I want to always or never trust these guys with an SSL certificate? Now, the thing uh, is, certificates can be used for many things. Sure. So, for example, in Keychain Access, in this pane, you can say, okay, I trust them for SSL. Another setting is SMIME, which is a way to encrypt email. Another thing is EAP, extensible authentication. Another is IPSEC, which is a way to secure IP traffic. Certificates can do a lot of things. Another, which is specific to Apple, Dave, is iChat security. Right. You and I have done this uh, on occasion. .Mac and iChat 
uh, or I'm sorry, mobile me actually yeah, yeah. support a way so for the most, normally I don't think iChat is secure, but you can, if, if people are uh, other dot Mac users, mobile me users, sorry, uh, can, and, and you and I experimented Dave and it issued us certificates signed by somebody who I guess we show, but they have a, a few more Kerberos client, Kerberos server code signing, which is kind of foreign to the, the Mac world, but I think more common in the windows world. And then just X509 basic policy, which is, you know, certificate policy. So if you're nervous about a certain uh, CA here, like AAA or RareSign or whoever, and you only want their certificate to be used for certain purposes, this is where you can refine it to your needs. Um, which hopefully I'm thinking will meet, uh, you know, Sinclair's needs. So again, I got to say it, it depends. Uh, I, I don't think it's as easy as he claims, though I could be wrong and we will listen to the podcast that he suggested, but I don't think it's just a matter of signing up and saying you're a big company and they'll just toss out a certificate. Now, Dave, did you have a, a, a comment about your experience with, or, or should we not? Yeah. Well, um, uh, I, regarding authentication, because I've been through it very, I mean, when they first came out with certs, my observation was some companies were a little lax. Like they would say, okay, give me a certificate of incorporation. Well, duh. I mean, almost anybody can get that. Um, here, sign this and say you're a director level or above in the company. Well, duh. So, you know, you, you got to have a good procedure to, to verify that the company is who they say they are. And again, like I mentioned before, VeriSign seems to have a procedure to, to verify that you are someone from apple.com or ibm.com or, or whoever or, or mac sure okay so yeah at, at one of our on one of our servers we have a an ssl cert for some internal stuff that uh, that we do and i got it through godaddy now we have our domain registered with godaddy um so perhaps that helped right and kind of move things along but well, i think they it have cost, a relationship with you right? yeah i think it cost me 50 bucks for two years worth of a standard SSL certificate, which is all we needed for this. And, uh, you know, I installed it. I, I applied for it. I don't think I did anything special. Uh, I don't think I had to fax in our, our articles of incorporation or anything like that. Within about, I don't know, 20 minutes, maybe maybe a couple of hours at most, uh, the certificate was issued. I got the little file. I went and put it in the right places on the server for on the various servers. Actually, we're using it for a couple of different things, like you said. And uh, I had to GoDaddy isn't a certificate authority on their own. They get it from somebody else. So I had to install like a uh, a proxy certificate. Oh, I see them. I'm, I'm just to interject a bit in keychain access. I see GoDaddy class two CA. Yeah. When when as you get, a root authority, which means anybody who is signed by GoDaddy class two, the browser will say, yep. Okay. Yeah. The, the way we did it. And that was there when, when we did this, you know, about a year and a half ago or whatever it was, but uh, we had to even still the, the way GoDaddy in, sends out these certs, you've, you've got to do that one and then another one on top of it. And then yours. Uh, and you, you kind of build that in on the server side, but the, the interesting thing is I could have paid a lot more money to someone like VeriSign uh, for a certificate, I'm sure they would have at least potentially researched us more. And yet the user experience is no different when they come and visit uh, that particular site or, you know, oh, that sure. particular page. It says that it's secure and it looks just like anything except for what we talked about recently, which was the extended validation. So, it, you know, it 
the, the certificates aren't aren't overly secure. It's just saying that we are who we think we are. It, it's it's not uh, it's not as secure as it could be. But but. Well, it's not but, so much to me. It's here's, not so much here's the, the encryption the or the technology. It's the it's the process. The certificate is tied to the domain name, right? So I can't right. get a certificate that that says I'm one domain name and load it on another. Um, so if it'll you warn. Ch- yeah, oh, it'll yeah, say it'll freak whoa, whoa. out. Yeah, that's right. The browser, any browser, good browser will say. These don't match. These Are you don't, sure about this? Right. And and so that's the thing. If you if you know that you want to visit, you know, MacObserver.com and, and you have decided that you're going to trust MacObserver.com and you see that it's secure, you can be secure knowing that the certificate that you're trusting is built only for MacObserver.com and not any other site. So. As long as you trust the the URL or the domain in the URL in your browser bar, then then I think you're okay. But but beyond that, the certificate's not really telling you a whole lot. And, that, mm. and that's where I'll that's where I'll leave it. Ba- based on my experience, I mean it. The only thing that it's good for is the URL and it, the company and all that stuff. Most people aren't even going to look at what company it's registered to. Um, and and I and at least like I yeah. said, my experience was that we didn't have to do a whole lot to prove that we were who we who we thought yeah. we were. Okay, well that's unfortunate because I get a sense looking at Verisign and some others that they they do some research because their names behind it. Yeah, I, I I think that the thing you can say though, Dave, is no matter who you choose, if you have a HTTPS or SSL connection, yep, your traffic is scrambled. Correct. So and it's somebody, and it's going and and it's scrambled in a way that only the domain that you are connecting to can see it. Mm-hmm. So if if you if you get an HTTPS connection to MacObserver.com, the data you send is only readable by MacObserver.com or mm-hmm. anybody that intercepts it and can spend the time to decrypt 256-bit encryption. And you know, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, th- I think it's time to wrap this one up, John. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right. Uh, what do we have here? Macworld Expo, January 5th through 9th. Man. What? Dude. That's serious? two weeks from today. Oh, man. It's January 5th. I'm getting on a plane. I'm not ready. But yeah, Cirque de Mac is coming around. I'm happy with everything that's happened. We've we've kind of got. When is that? In place. I gotta put that on the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Have you built the schedule yet? Yeah, I got uh, okay. uh, version one to to Jeff today. Oh, good. When, good, good, when's, good. When's Cirque de Mac again? The January seventh at eight p.m. at Broadway Studios in San Francisco. No. Yeah. Eight p.m. Yeah. January seventh, Wednesday. 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 Hmm. Okay. Hope I can get a ticket. We'll, we'll take care of you, John. I'm just kidding. And actually, if you see me or Dave or any of the TMO crew on the show floor, we may be able to hook you up with a ticket. Maybe. I, I have a feel after Apple's announcement last week, it it almost seems like everything intensified for Macworld Expo because so many people are thinking, gosh, you know, this this is certainly going to be the last expo like we know expos to be, whether it's the last one 
ever, well, certainly not. IDG's doing one next year, but it's going to be different. Maybe better, maybe worse, maybe just yeah. different. But, uh, but yeah, all of a sudden, you know, people kind of that weren't going to go to the show now are going because they don't want to miss the quote-unquote last one, you know. So, uh, yeah, tickets, it, this place is going to be packed, which is great. That's what we want. That's the whole thing, you know. Hot, sweaty, rock and roll, free drinks. What else? Mm-hmm. Do, what You know, come on. Oh, how much better does it get? How Macworld? T-shirts. You get a free T-shirt if you uh, first come, first serve on the T-shirts. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Cashfly Hosting provides all the bandwidth to get this show from me to them and from them to you. Podcast Marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebone Software, Disc Label from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, and Devon Agent from Devon Technologies, as well as a free podcast and a free audiobook and a two-week free trial from audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Hey, uh, John. Oh, what just happened? Huh? Hello. McFly. Show. Did they More freeze? Show. Did they freeze? No, it didn't. They it froze. Just, you know, here, oh, there they are. The band, it's too cold outside. The band froze. <laughs> so I have two, three things to say. Three. Merry Christmas, John, and Merry Christmas, Pete. Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. guys. Merry Christmas to everybody out there if you celebrate Christmas. Or Happy Holidays. Happy, happy or Hanukkah. Hanukkah happy holidays. or Kwanzaa, whatever the yeah, you do. Have, have do a it. great week. Uh, number two is happy birthday, Pilot Pete, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. What? Got me. He's old. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, you are correct, sir. Well, we're all I old. got caught. Yeah, so you can wish him happy birthday yourself at uh, twitter.com slash Pilot Pete. And uh, we might as well go around the horn. John, you are? Hmm? You're twitter.com slash John F. Braun, correct? That's correct. All right, and I'm twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton. Uh, I thought you were saying, what are you? I'm like, huh? You are human, my friend. (laughs) Well, it's debatable. Uh, We like, uh, we didn't talk about how to contact us, except just now with the Twitter thing. So we'll just roll with that. Audio comments to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You can also send email to that address. You can call us at John. 206-666. Geek, Four, which is 4335. MacGeekGab.com will get you to the place where the show notes are at for all you grammar geeks out there. And uh, you can, <laughs> you can scroll. Where they ain't. Right, that's, oh. Where they ain't at? <laughs> where they at? Or, uh, whatever. Skype to MacGeekGab and iTunes comments. Send us iTunes comments. We like the iTunes comments. You like mm-hmm. the iTunes comments. Read them. Write them. Love them. Enjoy them. Oh. All right. Uh, yeah, that's it. We're good, right? We, we covered everything. No, we didn't cover everything. We've got lots left. We'll be back here next Monday, regular time, regular show, if there's any such what? thing. Are you kidding? No. Oh, wait. No, we can do that. Okay. Of course we can. Why couldn't we? Sorry, I thought we'd be in California. No, Sorry, no, no. no. Week that's ahead. two weeks from today. That's yeah, right. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, yep. And that's it.
Maynard.